Amen. Let's get into the word today because I know the roast and the lamb and the alles is happening and I don't want to compete too much. Amen. If it's your first time at Kingdom Life Embassy, if you've taken the time to be with us this morning, you were a guest in the house, we just want to honor your presence. If you could just lift your hands, we just want to say thank you for joining us this morning. God bless you. 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 Ah, oh, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us this morning. We're so honored to have you with us. Please let us connect with you after service in the foyer, if that's you. I see the connectors are looking around as well. We just want to connect with you, and we just want to tell you we thank you for being with us this morning. I know God's going to do something amazing in your life. Amen. As He prepares you for 2023. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. I pray, Daddy, that you use my tongue as the pen of a ready writer, O God, to inscribe the truth of the word of God in the hearts and minds of your people. Holy Spirit, come and do what you need to do. Move in and through my life today so that the word can go forth with power and accuracy and demonstration. In Jesus' name, we all agree and say amen and amen. So, yeah, so preparing, I'm like, okay, it's Christmas. My father's not here. It's a big responsibility, amen. So I'm trusting God to bring the word through like it needs to be brought through this morning. Amen? Amen and amen. So the title of my sermon, which is a lighter one than what I wanted to choose, <clears throat> but because it's Christmas morning, amen, it's the reason for the season. It's the reason for the season. And as you know, Christmas obviously is filled with tradition. Filled, like filled with tradition. Uh, different, different cultures celebrating differently, doing different things. Uh, means so many different things to so many people. Um, it's people spending a lot of money in the season. Amen. <laughs> people are uh, preparing their food, their meals. I know um, for us, it's the big lunch. You must have everything. I'm like, why must you buy all the stuff? You can't. It's not, nobody can eat it. It's not possible. To eat all the stuff in one meal, amen. And so we end up eating that meal up until New Year's Day. You know what I'm saying? So we all have traditions, we all have rituals, if you want to say, we all have different ways of celebrating. Are you with me? And there's loads of messages going around on Facebook and social media. I mean, I got WhatsApps already from this morning. People taking beautiful pictures with their families, amen, with their Merry Christmas and a nice statement or uh, whatever it might be, some even with the Xmas and some happy holidays, amen. And then there's the one statement that always comes through in Christmas time Jesus is the reason for the season, amen. <clears throat> and people are going through various different trials, and you'll hear people say, Doesn't matter what you're going through in the season, just remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. And while it's true, it means a whole lot of different things to different people. Because the Jesus you know determines the season that you'll have. Are you with me this morning? It's the Jesus you know that determines the season you will have. You know in the Old Testament they had festivals. Are you with me? 
they had festivals, they had Passover, they had the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they had the Feast of Pentecost, they had various festivals that took place that they had to honor every year. And the purpose behind it was for them to remember how God showed himself in that festival. If you take Passover, for example, Passover happened when they were in bondage for 430 years and God was getting ready to deliver them. And the last plague that hit Egypt, he said, take a lamb, kill the lamb. It must be a firstborn lamb, must be within one year, must be a lamb without spot or wrinkle. Kill it, take the blood and put the blood over the doorposts of the house. And when the angel of death passes over Egypt, if it sees the blood, if it sees the blood, it will pass over your house and will not take the life of the firstborn in your house. So every time they had the Passover celebration, it was to remember the revelation that God released about himself in that moment, in that time. So when Passover came, they saw God as one who forgives. They saw one who's just because blood was shed for the forgiveness of this and their penalty was paid. They saw one who was able to deliver. They saw a deliverer. Are you with me? So every time they came to Passover and they celebrated Passover, they celebrated that revelation and that aspect and character of God that was revealed in that moment of time. Are you with me this morning? So when we come to the 25th of December, now some people might say, ah, but that's not the real time that Jesus was born. Are you with me? So what? The fact of the matter is he came. The fact of the matter is he was born. Are you with me? Some scholars believe he was closer to, to, to August, which I just want to say is my birth month, so take it like you want to take it. But we choose in this moment and in this season to celebrate him. Are you with me? And this time of festivities and celebration should have a revelation of who he is attached to it. Because outside of it, it's a form of godliness with no power. It's just another religious activity. It's just another service I must go to to tick a box that I was in church on Christmas because it's part of our culture and it's part of our heritage. But the devil is a liar because there's more to today than what meets the eye. Are you with me? That's why they want to say happy holidays and they want to take the Christ out of Christmas. You can't take the Christ out of Christmas because then it does not have the meaning that it was intended to have. Are you with me this morning? That's when people say, you know what? Merry Xmas, I send back Merry Christmas because why Christ came, he saved me, he set me free, and you're not going to take away the revelation that comes with the season of who he is. The Messiah has come into the world to save this world of their sin, to set them free, and to bring them into what he's ordained for them. So when they say Jesus is the reason for the season, you better be seeing the right Jesus. Amen. So I want to dig into that this morning. Because religion, you know, religion and tradition is designed to take away the power of the gospel. It's designed to create a belief system inside of you that is incorrect. Do you love God? Yes. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you believe he was born? Yes. But if you don't have the full revelation, and I'm, don't, I'm not proclaiming that I do because it's a discovery for the life. Are you with me? 
it's a lifetime discovery of discovering who he is but when it's rooted and grounded in the right relationship the right revelation the right understanding when it's rooted in the right place the way you live your life from is completely different to anybody else everything in this world is designed to take away the power that is associated with Jesus Christ that's why in the schools they don't care what else you're gonna pray they just don't want you to pray to Jesus they don't want you to pray the our father in the airport you go there they have a place for other religions to pray but they won't have a place for us to pray why because they want to take away the real power that is associated with Jesus Christ they know the enemy knows that the only people with power in this world the only people that can overcome him is those that are born of Christ or those that are believers hear me of this gospel of the kingdom of God it's those who are born again who've been set free who have an understanding of the word of God and those that are walking in the truth of the word so if you're born again the next step that he will do to you is what is keep you in ignorance because the more ignorance he keeps you in and ignorance is merely darkness when he keeps you there even though you were child of light even though you're born of almighty God you still will never come out and experience what God has got for you that's all he tries to do that's the weapon he has the weapon of deception that's why even for many of us when we're dealing with Christmas how many of us have the picture of the nativity I bind every religious spirit this morning I take authority over you in the name of Jesus I think you know that light and revelation will be our portion today in Jesus name how many of you have the picture of the nativity in your mind when you think about Jesus being born when you think about Christmas, we see that nativity, right? Jesus in a manger. You see the three wise men. You see the gifts. Don't look at me like that. It's not scriptural. It's not true. If you go back into the Bible and you study the Bible, you'll see that when they came to him, the Bible says they came to a child, not a baby. The Bible doesn't say there were three wise, wise men. It says there were three types of gifts. It was not three wise men. I'll read it for you. Matthew chapter 7, 2, verse 7 to 11. Because I can see the way you're looking at me. You're thinking, yo, you're touching the nativity now, Brian. The devil is a liar. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men. Did it say three? Did it say three? No. It says, when he secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. So he's saying, he's looking for a timeline. Are you with me? He's looking for a timeline. He says, and he sent him to Peter and said, go search carefully for what? The young child, not the baby. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I come and worship him also. We know he was lying. When they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till they came and stood over where the what? The young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Keep going. And when they had come into where? Into where? The manger. Where did they come into? The manger. Where? Oh, so when the wise men came to Jesus, were they in a house or were they in the manger? Exactly. But what do we see? And fell down in worship him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him: gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Go further down to the other scripture I gave you. I think it's verse sixteen. And then Herod, so now the, all the stuff happens to he's going to go to Egypt. It says, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly and sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from how many years? 
two years old and under because it was approximately two years since that time you see they tried to condense everything in one picture and that one picture has governed our thoughts when they came with gold, frankincense and myrrh one theologian says the amount of wealth that that needed to be for, in order for them to give him at that time needed to be in the millions in order for him to qualify to go into Egypt so what do you see? we see a little packet think about it why? because they knew he was a king they knew he was a king you don't come to a king with a little two cents, three cents, you understand what I'm saying? They understood when you come into the presence of a king. The Bible said, the, the theologian of the Bible, theologians say that they had to come with camels loaded with wealth. It was the only way you would celebrate the king back in the day. But when we read it, we see little baby Jesus in the manger. And the, river, and the picture they've given us takes away the fact that he's a king. Think about it. They give you a picture that subdues him and brings him down in your sight to be no other than just a little baby that was born and not to receive the revelation of his kingship and his lordship and to be worshipped the way he's supposed to be worshipped. Why am I saying this to you? Because when we say Jesus is the reason for the season, what Jesus are you seeing? It's critical. Because you might be going through something, but do you believe that this Jesus that is the reason for this season is the one who can deliver you? Do you believe he's the one that can turn around? I don't care. Can we tell you something? If you've experienced hell up to the 25th of December, there's still five days left that the King of Kings can turn it around and shift it for you. Because he's all powerful. He is the king that deserves to be worshipped. I don't see that baby, just a little baby sitting here. I see a king being born. I see God being born into the earth. I see one who is able to change my world. Let's go. I've got a little bit of time. So I'm just going to run through some stuff this morning. But I, I want us to get a better understanding this morning of who he was and is when he was brought into the earth. Because if you go all the way back to the beginning and you deal with God creating the heavens and the earth, this all-powerful, almighty God creates everything from nothing. Amen? From his very substance of who he is, he brings forth something from nothing because he's God. He creates the heavens and the earth. He puts everything in order. From the earth, he calls forth vegetation. He brings forth trees with fruit, grass, flowers, all kinds and all sorts of vegetation. He calls it from nothing. Fish of the sea, the same thing. The birds of the air, the same thing. The animals on the ground, the same thing. He puts everything in its place. And on the sixth day, he sets the time aside to create his most prized position. Mankind. He says, let us. You know, when he made everything else, he spoke to everything else. When he wanted trees, he spoke to the earth. When he wanted animals, he spoke to the earth. When he wanted fish, he spoke to the sea. But when he wanted man, he spoke to himself. He says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, of the fowl of the air, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. He says, let us make 
them like us our offspring a God in the earth he says let us let us make them to look like us when you see them they're made from the very same substance as us when you see them perform and perform the will of God in the earth you'll see them perform from the same likeness that means the same potential and ability to function like us he says we prepared everything in this place for them to rule and reign and have dominion like we kings up here in heaven they're going to be kings down there in the earth they're going to govern with our system of governance and we're going to put them in a place called the garden of Eden a place of voluptuous living hear me a place of absolute abundance where there's no lack no need where heaven is touching earth and where everything that heaven possesses uh, is in its fullness on earth. He says, this is the prime environment for this being. This is how he's designed to live. In the full expression of God in his midst and in his, in his environment at all times. I don't even think our finite minds can fully imagine the glory of what it must have been like in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Think about it. God in his fullness manifested in your presence and in your environment. We get a little touch from heaven and we can't even stand. Think about it. But him walking in the garden in the cool of the day, the perfect, perfect, perfect environment. And hear me, even the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the command not to partake of it was perfect. It was needed in order for perfection to be in place because if man didn't have a will, he would have been a robot and not made in the image and the likeness of God. If he did not have the ability to choose God with his own will, he would not be made in the image and likeness of God. God puts it there as part of the place of perfection. But we know that something happened. People blame Eve and Blame Adam. The Bible only says when he ate, did their eyes open. Not when she ate. Anyway, it's for another day. Men's ministry, men's conference, and you know what I'm saying. But when this took place, when they partook of that fruit, I want you to understand something. There is no pandemic. There is no natural disaster. There is no war that ever took place on the face of the earth that could ever amount to the tragedy that took place on that day there isn't we read it as something slight and simple and small and insignificant but yet it was the worst day ever because man was designed to be in that place of perfection in a loving perfect relationship with God in the full manifestation of who God was fully accessible to heaven and to earth he was now from that moment separated from the one who created him it was the biggest tragedy that took place in the earth up until today. God's turned it around. But I want you to understand something. When that thing happened in the earth, it was the worst thing that could have ever happened to mankind. Everything that we're experiencing now is a result of that decision that he made. Hear me. Death only entered in because Adam permitted it to when he did what he did. There would be no death. There would be no curse. Every result of whatever you're experiencing in life today that is opposing the will of God is a result of that decision that he made on that day. So I want you to understand that that was the biggest tragedy that ever took place in the earth. Ever. And the reason why I want to say this to you is because I want you to understand that when God brought forth the solution, 
the solution was to counter the biggest strategy, tragedy that ever took place in the earth. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 to 15, he said, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat the dust all the days of your life and I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed look at that seed it's got a capital S right and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise he says the capital seed he says the seed that is Christ I'm going to put in the earth and he's going to destroy you he says the answer that I have for the greatest tragedy that took place in the world was to send a seed hear me today he says the thing that separates us the only way to fully restore us and put us back into the place of where we're supposed to be in terms of our relationship in terms of your identity in terms of who you are your positioning and whatever's supposed to be upon you the only way to come into the place for me to solve this problem is to send a seed so god releases this word and four thousand years later we come to what we're experiencing today Galatians chapter 4, 4 to 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, He sent forth His Son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Go to Luke chapter 1 verse 26. He says, In the fullness of time, in the most perfect conditions for the release of the seed, because any seed released into any environment, if that environment is not conducive for that seed, it will not produce the fruit it must produce. So when He says, In the fullness of time, it took 4,000 years for the earth to be ready to receive that word. And this is what we read in Luke chapter 1. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, for the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considering what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he sh- and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Hear me. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. God, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born of you will be called the Son of God. It says the Holy Spirit is going to come and drop the seed inside of your womb. The seed that he prophesied in Genesis chapter 3. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. We miss the verse where many says, let it be done to me according to your word. But what I want to show you is that at this point in this encounter, in Jesus coming to the earth, the seed that was promised in Genesis chapter 3 finally made its way to the earth. So when you're speaking of Jesus being the reason for the season, you've got to understand the potential of what was actually packed inside of the seed. If you don't know the fruit that's supposed to come from this seed, how will you know what to expect when harvest time comes? Think about it. 
If I just give you this, and you have no clue, if I give you small, everybody knows what this is, so I may give you a smaller one. It was me. A seed that you do not recognize. And I give it to you, and I say to you, here's the seed for you, it's going to produce for you in the next season. You have no clue what's going to come out of that seed. Right? So if I tell you that seed is the reason for the season, what does it mean to you? It means nothing. Why? Because you don't know what it's going to produce for you. Are you with me? So when we're saying Jesus is the reason for the season, we need to understand what was packed inside of the seed in order for us to fully experience what is supposed to come from the season. Number one, the seed is God. Matthew chapter 1 verse 22 to 21 to 22, it says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This is the angel speaking to Joseph. He says, For he will save his people from the sin. So all of this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Hear me, the day that he was born on this earth, it was God himself. God himself, think about it. It was the day God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who made everything that is in this earth, chose to leave his deity and submit himself to his own creation to come into the earth a legal way to restore, heal, save, and deliver. Go to Philippians. It says, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. This is God himself, hear me. He says the son of the highest, the second person of the Trinity, God the word, God the son of God. He chooses, he makes the decision to let go of every privilege as God. As God himself, hear me. To say I'm coming to these people and I'm going to make a way for them. He relinquishes every right that he had as God. To say I'm coming to the earth. So when you're celebrating Christmas and you're celebrating Jesus, the reason for the season, what are we celebrating? God himself that made a way for me. The God who loved me so much that he said, I'm willing to give up everything just to come and make a way for you. Just to make a way for you and me. He's the king with the kingdom. Luke chapter 2 verse 32 to 33 says, He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Isaiah 9 67 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace and of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end upon the throne of David and over, the, over his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward forever and ever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He was a king with a kingdom. Amen. He came to give you another way to live. That's what the Bible says. Seek for his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will what? Be taken together and added unto you. You're called to live out of a different system. Not the system of this world. You see, this system of this world is designed to keep you bound. It's designed to keep you poor. It's designed to keep you sick. It's designed to keep you dependent upon them for anything to happen in your life. But when Jesus comes, he says, listen, I'm a king, I've got a different kingdom. 
You don't have to live by the conditions of this world anymore. You can live by the authority and the rule of my kingdom. You can experience the provision of my kingdom. You can experience the healthcare system of my kingdom. You can experience the blessing of my kingdom. He says, and, the, and of peace there will be no end. Of his government and of what? Peace. That peace is shalom. It's absolute total prosperity in every area of your life. Every area of your life. No worry, no fear, no doubt, no sickness, no poverty, no disease, no messed up family, no depression, no oppression, no suicidal thoughts. Everything that you need to live a life of victory is found in that kingdom. And so your apostle always says, says, people have switched kingdoms, but they have not switched systems. Get off that system. It can do nothing for you. Nothing, hear me, it can do nothing for you. The father of that system is the father of lies. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That system is only designed to do that. It cannot give you any other outcome, yet people give their whole lives to that system. Jesus says there's another way. Wherever he went, think about it, man. The miracles that he performed, how did he do it? It wasn't some spooky pooky thing. He applied the principles of the kingdom. When he needed to feed 5,000 people, what did he say? He said, he said, these people are hungry, feed them. The Bible says, he said this knowing already what he was going to do. Because he had a provision from a different system. And what did they bring? He said, all I need is a seed. All I need is a seed. Five loaves and two fish. And if I submit it in this kingdom, it can produce food with leftovers like you can experience today. I don't know if you want 12 baskets full, but you know what I'm saying. Where did it come from? It came from a different system. When he came into the presence of people who were dealing with sickness and disease, the Bible says, in every verse you go and read, it says, He healed them all. Blind, deaf, mute, Paralyzed, may, may means you got pieces of your body missing. It means stuff was growing out. Where did it come from? That kingdom system. That kingdom's got a healthcare system like no other. In that healthcare system, you don't even need a hospital. Are you with me? It's a different system. There's only one time Jesus couldn't perform the great works of God. And he says, why? Because those people didn't believe in him. They did not honor him in the position that he was. Why? They rejected him. And when they rejected him, they rejected that system, that government, that kingdom that he came with to bring every form of provision for their lives. They could not participate nor partake because of their unbelief. So he's the king that's come with the kingdom. So when you're saying Jesus is the reason for the season, you need to see the king of kings you need to see that one that is coming with a system that has the ability to do in my life what no other can do that when i put my life in that system when i sow my seed in that system when i sow my life in that system it's going to produce a harvest like never seen before why because it's not dependent upon anything in this world where did the fish come from when he said cast your net on the other side he was a he was a skilled, experienced fisherman. Are you with me? So he knew how to operate. Jesus go in the day when they're not supposed to fish. And he says, cast your net on the other side. Why? Because the same way God spoke in Genesis chapter 1 and said, fish come from the sea. The minute he released that word, that system produced more fish to go into that net at that point in time. He was not governed by, this, by the systems of this world. Don't get quiet to me this morning. 
We're breaking every religious thought pattern concerning the season in this house this morning in the name of Jesus. Every religious thinking, every form of tradition that is an opposing thought or a stronghold in, in, in dealing with the kingdom of God and this moment in time and the celebration of who Jesus was, we're breaking that thing in this place today in Jesus' name. Every demonic stronghold, every thinking pattern that opposes the truth of the word of God and the kingdom of God is broken in this place today. Just shout amen and let God do it in your life. He will save us. Romans chapter 5 verse 17 says, For if by one man's offense death reign through one man, much more those receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in this life through the one Jesus Christ. He says, she said, when the angel came to him in Matthew chapter 1, I think it was, he says, he says, he will come and save his people. He came to save you, not to go to heaven only. It's a piece of the pie. He came to save you, to give you the Zoe life. He came to give you a new life that you can find. The Bible says you can reign in this life. You know what reign? Reign means I have dominion over every area of my life. Uh, over my family, over my household, over my mind, over my body, over my money. Uh, over every area and sphere of influence he's called me into. I have dominion uh, for he has saved me and set me free. Uh, he's given me the life that is found inside of him. Uh, that wherever I go, I reign. Uh, of your life that you're looking at right now that you're seeing that you don't have dominion over question that thing and don't accept it don't accept it you know apostle says i've been sick but i don't believe i must be sick are you with me the enemy's thrown symptoms on his body but he never once stood and said that this is my portion no i reign over sickness and disease I reign over death. I reign over oppression and depression. I reign over mental illness. I reign over every form of addiction of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Through one man, through the seed, through the seed you can reign. Through the seed you can experience the Zoe life. John 1 John 3 8 says for this purpose was the son of God made manifest to do what to destroy the works of the devil I come against every work of the enemy of your life today in the name of Jesus everywhere the enemy has been hounding your mind everywhere he's come with oppression and depression and suicidal thoughts I cut it from your life today the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that same power is available in this place this morning and destroys whatever the work of the enemy is over your life in this house in Jesus' name. Second Corinthians 1 verse 20 in the Amplified says, For as many as are heirs of the promises of God, they all find their yes in Him who Christ. For this reason, we also utter amen, so to be. He says, all promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. What is the promise? A promise is something that's to come, right? Amen. And generally, it's a better thing. So when we're dealing with the promises of God, it's all about your healing, your wholeness, your prosperity, your peace, what's to come, right? When you read in the Bible. All those promises are indicators to the life that was in 1 and 2, Genesis 1 and 2. Are you with me? They're all indicators. They're, when, when he says uh, that by his stripes you will be made whole, it's a promise, right? 
that promise of healing goes back all the way to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and say, this is how you're supposed to be living. And all these promises are taking you back and restoring you back to that life where you have prosperity, peace, breakthrough. And you understand what I'm saying? Full measure, full relationship with God. Every promise. And then he says what? In this seed, every promise is yes. And amen. That means there's no more promise for your life. There isn't a promise for your life. Why? It's been fulfilled. It's been fulfilled. Every promise is now a reality in Christ Jesus. It's no longer a promise. You say, people say, I'm standing on the promise of God. I get what you're saying, but it's not entirely true. I'm standing on the reality of the truth of God in the finished work of Christ. There's nothing He must still do for me that He has not done already. Where's the thing? It's in the sea. Amen. I need to move. I've got five minutes, I think. So here's the last one, not the last, second last one. You are born of the same seed. First Peter 1 verse 23 says you have been regenerated, born again, not from a mortal origin. That means not from a man-made thing. You were born through your parents, not to your parents. You were born through your parents. God needed a womb to send you into the earth. Are you with me? And the day you get born again, your identity is no longer locked up in your natural lineage, but it's in the lineage of Christ. Because he says you're now born again of what? You're born again of a new seed. The new seed. The new seed. That's why when Jesus looks at you after you've been born again, what does he see? Another Christ. He don't see you no more. He don't see your sin. The Bible says you're a new creature. That means you look new. Where you might have been a peach pup before, you're now an avocado pup from now on. Are you with me? Why? I received the new nature that is found in Christ Jesus. So when they're looking at you and saying that you stole the old, I'm not the old no more. I'm new. I'm a new creation. And everything that is in Jesus is in me. Hear me? Everything I just told you right now about the life of God and the life of Jesus is now found in you. Don't accept the lie of the enemy. You're never going to make it. You're not good enough. Look at how you're acting. Look at the things that you did. Look how you spoke. Look at the thing that you did. You were peach. No, I'm not a peach. I'm an evil baby. I'm a new creature. And it's only a matter of time. As I keep this seed sown in my life, I'm going to bear the fruit of Christ in every area of my life. You know me, when I, when I got saved, I got radically saved. God had to do it radically. And I got radically saved. I met a pastor. I walked into his house and he said, if you want the sinker, I said, I want this. He said, okay, come. I left everything. I even left Eden at that time. I said, listen here, I only want Jesus. I thought I was going to be a Paul, not married. You know, the Lord had to do that to me because I couldn't even have a little bit of the world because of the type of person I was. Are you understanding me? I would have been in trouble. The Lord says, I must take you out that place and I must put you here. And I had to finish off my job. I had to work another two months or two and a half months. I said, I'll help you to finish this project we were busy with. But I had to go to certain places because of the project. And because we were in the same industry, she would see me in those places. And it was nightclubs. And when I'm there, I'm drinking. And she's like, you're lying. you then lying. you then drinking. You tell me this is because of Jesus. This is not because of Jesus. I said one thing in a club. I said, let me tell you something now. I know that where I'm going, this stuff can't go with me. 
I didn't know how. I had no idea what was it. I started to focus on the new seed that was on the inside of me. So even though I made a little bit of a bloopsie, I knew that eventually the time was going to come where this thing is going to produce the life inside of me. And you will not have any other evidence but Christ on the inside of me. Amen. With him there is a way. Hear me. When you're speaking about Jesus being the reason for the season, don't miss it. Think about the fullness of God on the inside of you. Think about all that is ordained and assigned to you. And the enemy has come to tell you that it's not you. But from today, you stand up and say, you shut up, devil. Because I'm made in his image and in his likeness. And he's filled me with all potential to be just like him. And I said all of that to say this one thing. All of that, I said everything of that. I said all of that, all of that, I just said for one thing. Go to John chapter 12, verse 24. A seed is useless unless it is sown. Listen to me. A seed is useless unless it is sown. Even Jesus, had he not sown himself, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls onto the ground and dies, he's talking about himself, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Stay in that scripture, don't take it off. What is he saying? He's saying, as great as I am, as loaded as I am, as God made man, as a king, as your savior, as your deliverer, unless I die, you will never experience why I came. Because if the seed was still here, if Jesus didn't choose to die, it says they can't kill me, I give up my life. Because the life that was in him could not die. Hear me? There was so much life in him that death was not an option. It was not an option. He had to say, I give up my spirit. Are you with me? Jesus would have still been here 2,000 later performing the same miracles and he would be the only one having the relationship that he had with God and he'd be the only one made in the image and the likeness of God. Yes, we could have experienced a little because he could have imparted some of his power onto us, but you would never have been made new and made the seed like he is today. What did he have to do? He had to sow himself. Three more scriptures, then we're done. Remember, I'm saying all of that to say this. John 14, 12. Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. He says, listen here. This thing that I'm going to go through, I'm going to show myself, I'm going to die, I'm going to restore you. When I go, I'm telling you that when you believe in me, the Bible says in John chapter 1, when you believe in him, to him, they gave the power to become the sons of God. When you believe in me, you become like me. Are you with me? Born of the same seed, the same potential, made in the image and the likeness of God, having the ability to produce the fruit of God in the earth. Since Moshe said to you, you believe in me, will do these works also. Why? How can I do it, Lord, when I live out of the same fruit, the same seed? You can produce the fruit that God produced when you live out of the same seed that is in you. Are you with me? 
It's our response to the seed and the potential on the inside of us that produces the life that Jesus was talking about. This avocado bed does not think to itself. I'm going to make avocado, make avocado, make avocado, make avocado. No. You with me? When I put it in the ground, doesn't it? Avocado, 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 avocado. I say it enough times, it's going to produce. No. If it remains sown and submits itself to the soil, it will automatically produce the life that God has got for you. Here's the thing. Too few people are willing to sow themselves. You see, when you're saying Jesus is the reason for the season, it's not only just about what he did for you, but it's what you did for the kingdom. What fruit did we bear? Are you with me? What fruit did we bear? I'm not going to go there, but in Isaiah chapter, go there, Isaiah chapter 61. This is what I'm ending on this, I promise. I did well. I'm, I'm under 40 minutes, I know. Where's Warren? I know he's watching me. I'm under 40 minutes, I know. He says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is Jesus. He says, this is what I do. What Jesus does. Same seed. He says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me. Jesus to preach the good tidings to the poor he has sent me to heal the broken heart to proclaim the liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound next work with me here guys to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord now if you go back stay there if you go back to Luke chapter 4 when he comes out of the wilderness and he reads this in the scriptures in the temple he reads this verse out of the book of Isaiah and he closed the book and he says today this has been fulfilled in your hearing what's he saying this is the reason and the purpose for why I came Let's go. It says, in the day of the vengeance of the Lord our God, to comfort all who mourn, go. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty. Speaking about this life that I've now come to give, is to give this to this people. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for the morning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness. I'm going to make them righteous. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Stay there. He says, I've come to proclaim this message and to do this and to perform this works so that you can experience this. But it doesn't stop there. Next verse. And who? And who? And who? Who's the they? Us. He says, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. That's the greater works. They shall raise up former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. I'm not going to go beyond. You can read. Here's the thing. He says, the works that I do, you come and you proclaim the world, the work. You are with me. You come and you speak to everybody. You proclaim the gospel. You heal the blind. You heal the deaf. You heal them of their sickness. You speak to them and tell them that God has come. The kingdom has come. Things have changed. And let them see the healing power of God. That's the same works. It doesn't stop there. He says, then what? Then they must go and rebuild the ruined cities. They must raise up the former desolations. They must repair the ruined cities. The desolations of many generations. The generations are sitting in what they're sitting in now because the church has not done the greater works. Don't look at the world and say what's going on. It's us. It's because we have not done what? We've refused to sow our lives. We've refused to sow ourselves. Be careful that the traditions of this time can make this a selfish moment apostle priest always says you cannot build with takers 
you can only build with givers you can only build with people who are willing to sow their lives because as great as you are hear me as great as the potential is that's locked up on the inside of you if you are born again believer you've got the life of God himself inside of you everything that is found in Christ is in you why are we not seeing it you need to sow it baby you need to sow your life that's why when Christmas comes and we're saying Jesus is the reason for the season yes we must realize what he's done for us but people should be recognizing what we've done for the world they should say these people are an extension of Christ in the earth look at what they've done look at how they've changed the world why because all glory goes to who to him because it wasn't me it's the same seed from where I come from it's not me it's him in me that's doing the works that you see but I've got to sow myself I've got to make that decision and say you know what apostle read the scripture last week he said with Jesus I will bear my cross I'm paraphrasing but he says but now you take up your cross and follow me I know this might not be the Christmas message that you want to hear today gentle Jesus meek and mild but take us my pastor amen apostle Max is my father and this is an apostolic house and I want to say to you today that you and I both need to make a decision today and a fresh commitment to God today on this Christmas day that we're going to become who God has called us to become we're going to make a commitment Lord to sow our lives so deep so that we can bear the fruit of your kingdom hear me I'll end with this the Bible says in the fullness of time Jesus came it means everything was perfect for the time the day of his coming the Lord said to me when you look at where the world is today in the darkness that's surrounding the next generation he said it's the fullness of time that I sent you because what's in you has the ability to break that thing Christ came to undo the works of the devil that same work must be fulfilled through your life and I know for some of you might be dealing with stuff and saying you know what that thing is so far from me today what you're speaking about pastor B is so far come up worship team is so far from where I am today I want to tell you it's one decision it's one choice that you have to make today for those that are saved it's a decision to say you know what God I'm making a fresh commitment to you this Christmas let it be marked on this day I'm making a fresh commitment to give myself to you like I've never given to you before some of you might be thinking you see the challenge sometimes is that people associate seed time with loss ask somebody to give something they'll associate that thing with loss and when you've associated it with loss you'll never experience a harvest because there's no expectation for harvest no farmer goes into that field and plants a seed and associates it, associates it with loss they know there's increase coming are you with me when you sow your life the fullness that is in Christ will bless you as you bless others because the very essence of that seed is blessing that means the very essence of who you are is blessing for some in this room you know you're not where you're supposed to be are you with me you know you're supposed to be in a different position with God in the season it's not too late if the enemy told you it's too late I'm coming to tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell there's still a purpose as long apostle says as long as you have a pulse there's a purpose 
As long as there's life inside of you, hear me. God's got something that is going to work through your life. It's up to us in the season to sow our lives like we've never sown before so we can live what God has called us to live. And a generation, you're going to build that ruined cities where they came to mess up media, government, education. If you look at what's happening in the world today, people, that thing is going to come here. The Lord said to me, He says, you can't stop that thing, but you can become what I've told you to become. And it will automatically counter that thing. Don't focus on that thing. Focus on this seed. Focus on what I've put inside of you. That's got to be your focus for this year. God, as I focus on you and I put my eyes and my attention, my meditation, my speech, everything concerning your word and concerning who you are to me and the seed that you placed on the inside of me, let me bear fruit for you that will glorify you, that will destroy the works of the enemy, that will set the generation free, that will set my family free, that will bring us into the ordained assignment that you've assigned to us so that people can walk in the freedom and the liberty that you've ordained in the kingdom of God. It's on you. Hear me, it's on you. You must show yourself. Amen. Please stand this morning. Hear me? You will hear the prophetic word that's going to be released on Saturday night. I encourage each and every person here. Don't go party with a party. Come sit in the Word on Saturday night for New Year's Eve. Come and be under this Word because I'm telling you now, something is coming. The stuff that's happening to the young people is an abomination. I'm telling you now. And it's because of the church that the world is the way that it is. The Word that is coming and will be released on Saturday night is going to govern your 2023. It's going to govern your 2023. But here's the thing. You need to sow yourself into that thing in this season. We need to change our perspective in this season. You see, you're looking for the breakthrough for your life. God is saying it's coming when you sow yourself. Because the breakthrough, hear me, is in here. Your breakthrough is in Christ. And Christ is in you. But unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It stands alone. You have the ability to produce the very life of God in your life, to affect your life, your family, your community, your city, your nation, and the world around you. But unless you sow that seed, it will remain a seed forever and stand alone. Everything that God's going to release in your life in this season, hear me, is going to come by you sowing.